LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I have a very special guest all to myself. Uh, For those of you who don't know Luis Palau, you are in for a real treat. So uh, my history with Luis goes back to, I don't know, probably 15 years ago now. Um, Uh My wife worked for you at the DC Festival. And so DC Festival was where thousands of people came to hear the gospel. So for those of you who don't know who Luis Palau is, you may know uh, Billy Graham. Well, Luis Palau is is the other Billy Graham that you may not have ever heard of, but has had an amazing impact all around the world. And that whole um, idea of the the festivals of bringing families in, sharing the gospel with them, uh, it all centered around uh, this ministry. And and you've been doing that now for how many years? Oh, about sixty. Uh huh. More than you thought. <laughs> about sixty. So, yes, sir. How many? How many people have you preached the gospel to live and in in person? Uh, Well, you know, it's hard to figure out because, you know, you have multitudes in parks and stadiums, but they talk anywhere from 40 to 50 million in person. And then because of media, social media, radio that we've been doing for 60 years, they estimate a billion with a B. It's very iffy and we have to be very careful, but... Whatever it is, to God be the glory. It's what he does, and we are just his servants, you know? But it's, it's, it's quite a few. But when you think of it, 60 years, how many people have died? How many people have been born? There's 7 right. billion in the world. It sounds like a lot, but there's a lot more to go. So that's the way I look at it. So, so you've been going at it for 60 years. You've been in 75 uh, countries. Can you just... I... I'm just blown away. I mean, personally, uh, it's been a, a blessing to me and my family to to be a part of uh, of your story in some way. Um, having been a part of one of one of the festivals, I mean, to give our listeners an idea, you know, we all uh, know what it takes to pull off a, a Sunday morning service uh, and to pull off a festival in DC, which was not one of the biggest festivals. Um, my That's wife right. was coordinating. Almost yes. six thousand volunteers for that festival. Yes, and so to give our listeners that the magnitude of people that it takes to, you know, pull off these events, um, can you just share, you know, some of the big things that you've learned over the years? Uh, so what you've learned over the years, I'll get to our first question: is who are you currently learning <laughs> from? But what are some of those big things that you've you've kind of learned over the years? Well, you know, I learned by watching the best. Uh, I was brought up in a small local church in Argentina. The missionaries were fantastic. And one of the things I learned, uh, Todd, is that the missionaries treated us even as children 
as intelligent, important members of the body of Christ. To me, that was one of the great, amazing things. When I look back after all these years, the missionaries treated boys and girls like we understood doctrine. We memorized scripture. We understood what we memorized. They explained doctrine and the burden of reaching out to those who are lost, you know. So since I was a child, watching, as I look back, watching my dad and mom who came to Christ very young at age 22 and 24, and then the missionaries who were amazing teaching the Bible and pushing evangelism, I, I started out learning from them. And the idea that you reach out to those who are going to a Christless eternity uh, was was part of our whole DNA. Uh, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe is condemned. To us, that was life, you know. So that's how I started, really, Todd, if I can take you back that many years. And then, so, uh, can you talk a little bit about your call to ministry and specifically evangelism? You, there's a book out right now um, that's just come out that it's uh, it's your memoir. You've got like 50 different books, but this one is, I think, yeah. the crowning jewel, and uh-huh. it's it's entitled "A Life on Fire." And just yeah. talk a little bit about that, please. Okay, first, I didn't put the title. <laughs> Zondervan did, and I'm glad they did. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I mean, imagine me saying, hey, I'm a, li- a life on fire. Come and watch me burn, you know. <laughs> but actually, you asked me earlier, and my team tells me you can get it through Amazon, both the book and the film. So, but anyway, what I wanted to do, because I found out that I have terminal, according to the doctors, incurable uh, cancer of the left lung, was to honor those that God used in my life uh, to to bring me to the Lord and to set me on my way. So I honor my mother, my father, the missionaries, a pastor named Ray Stedman from Palo Alto, California, who impacted my life, brought me to the USA, a missionary leader from China Inland Mission called Dick Hillis, Billy Graham, uh, Major Ian Thomas, my team members, my wife, and uh, so, uh, to me, that's what got me fired up. And I wanted to honor the Lord at the end of my life and honor those that God used in my life, most of whom, except for Billy Graham, Thomas, and, and Ray Stedman, are unknown. They'll never have a movie made of their life. There'll never be a biography written. But they have been so influential to reach millions of people. So that's what the book is all about, you know, to honor the Lord and encourage ordinary believers that as you minister to a young guy, you may be building up someone who will reach millions of people. So that was part of the book. Oh, that's so good. You know, uh, it it does, uh, it reminds me of, of my upbringing as well uh, in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, uh, and I had a grandmother who didn't even get a high school education. I mean, she she didn't get anything, but uh, she raised three boys. And uh, then, you know, uh, she had uh, 13 sons and grandsons. And, and let uh-huh. me tell you, I am alive today because of that woman's prayer life. Uh, uh, yes. And her life was really a life on fire. And you can look at – she's a very simple person um, – you know, never even had a full-time uh, job. Uh, she had a farm and my grandfather died early on. And so she kind of lived on a pension and things like that. But 
just the 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 children she watched and uh, and her sons and grandsons, you know, went from not having a legacy of faith to what an amazing legacy of faith, just a rock solid, well invested life, not on stocks or bonds or uh, money that you know things that might rise or fall on the day or or with the economy. Uh, my inheritance that I received from my grandmother. Uh, is is an internal inheritance and something yeah. that I think it, we need to instill in others. But she was a just a common, ordinary person, and the impact and she that loved she has the Bible. had absolutely has been amazing. I mean, there's nine uh, nine uh, sons or grandsons that are um, you know pastors or or at least leaders in their churches, wow. very involved in their yeah. very very yeah. involved in their churches. Uh, yeah. So, oh, that's. It, it really I'm glad is. you honor her. Yeah, uh, because you know we tend to honor people with degrees, but often it's humble people who take the word of God seriously who end up doing the great things that you just described. So, uh, talk a little bit about who you're currently learning from. Well, you know it's been years, but I still biographies, serious biographies, not flippant ones. You know, but serious biographies have been a great thing. I still read them. And when I see a serious biography, I like to learn, even in my age, what made them and how can I be a blessing as a grandpa and as a father to the younger generation? You know, what did they do to me that I can pass on? Biographies. The second one I'm learning from, to be honest, is my wife, Pat. You know, we've been married 58 years and... uh, She's intelligent, thank the Lord, a little feisty, uh, contrarian, <laughs> so we're always arguing with each other. But I think it, it, today's Bible verse in the U version is, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Well, my wife is the iron that sharpens me, and I think I sharpen her. But I truly, I'm not joking, I learn from her. She thinks she uh, she's contrarian by nature because his father was an engineer and he was a contrarian, but it helps me a lot, you know. Uh, the other thing about learning negatively is not to pay too much attention to dilettantes, you know, like certain people in Europe who just play games with theology and they're always reanalyzing. We have to be careful. I like your grandma. Stick with the word of God and you'll be okay, you know. Uh, don't overplay with the doctrines. Don't try to overgo over them over and over, you know. Uh, don't blast church history as though our forefathers didn't know what they were doing. Those are the things that got me feisty this morning. Mm, that's so good. Well, um, you know, I, I really want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more uh, about about this book, if you don't mind. Um, there's a lot of people that do know who you are. And there's a lot of people, uh, who may not have heard of you yet. And so in preparing for this interview, people are like, why are you, who are you interviewing today? Why are you so excited? And I'm like, loose plow. And they were like, who, who, who's (laughs) Who's he? And I'm like, let me bless you with who this person (laughs) is. Um, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Because, you know, I, to be honest, most of our listeners kind of already know this. I, or they can at least tell uh, when I'm talking to people about uh, their book, I'm not always excited because I know that's the primary reason that a lot of people want to be on uh, the podcast. Now, the difference between that and this is 
this is about legacy. I mean, you know, as we as we got onto the podcast, um, I know you you just had chemo two days ago, and you're on this podcast in part yeah. because of legacy. And this book is about legacy. So so talk about that for a few moments, if uh. you will. Oh, I'd like to. I'd like to. Uh, I, the Bible says, you know, honor to whom honor is due. And God sent into my life uh, people uh, that blessed my life from my childhood up. They were faithful to me, loved me. I've always felt loved. I've always felt appreciated. My mother was a godly woman, not perfect, but very godly, very prayerful. She memorized scripture. Every answer she gave on just about any subject was a Bible verse. And uh, so that stuck with me. Then, as I told you earlier, the missionaries were of a quality that I wish we could honor them even more. But in the judgment seat of Christ, they'll get their honor and their praise. But then people, even Mr. Billy Graham, you know, who just for reasons I never understood, took me under his wing put me up to speak at some of the congresses that he used to have for evangelists way back in the 80s. And I was a young guy myself, you know, and I, the Lord laid it on his heart to just open doors, gave me great advice. I quote him all the time to our team members, what Mr. Graham said. Very, you know, people think evangelists are sort of flighty. All they know is John 3.16 and repeat it over and over, which is not the worst thing you can do. But nevertheless, Mr. Graham was a very intelligent, well-read, well-traveled, thoughtful, uh, and he gave advice in a very, uh, very low-key, uh, never pretending to know more, but his advice was so profound, Todd. And so I learned from listening to him, uh, you know, about leadership, about vision, about uh, humbly leading, and when you're on a TV show, don't be aggressive, but take it over as quickly as you can, you know, and talk right. about the Lord and never be ashamed of Christ, no matter who the person was. Show respect, listen, and uh, but be faithful. And you saw it all throughout his life. And, uh, I, uh, well, there are many stories in the book on Mr. Graham. You know, he prays for other people that he hardly knew. And he gave excellent advice. I, I think it saved us as a team from making mistakes. He told me, put on a board of directors, get real businessmen who love the Lord, who will give you honest advice, who will exhort you, uh, who will give you guidance. Uh, he told me, don't over-depend on wealthy people because then they want to tell you how to, how to do your ministry. Uh, if you don't do the ministry the way they want it, why they will then drop you. He said, just serve the Lord. I mean, his advice was amazing, Todd, amazing. And then Ray Steadman, he was a pastor in Palo Alto, California, Peninsula Bible Church. And he uh, was a man's man, you know, joyful, cheerful, sometimes a little edgy, but very biblical, very expository preaching. He exhorted me heavily uh, sometimes he barked up the wrong tree, but the barking was good anyway. And I learned lessons <laughs> even when I think he, he misread what I was doing, you know. Uh, but he was a great, like a father figure, because my father died when I was 10 years old. And so I didn't have a dad in my life. And uh, But he became like my adoptive father. And then Major Ian Thomas, maybe you heard of him. I don't know if you have, but 
he taught me how the life of Christ in me. And he taught, he came to Multnomah School of the Bible in those days, now Multnomah University in Portland. And he spoke about Moses and the burning bush. And he said, the lesson God was teaching Moses was, Moses, any old bush will do as long as God is in the bush. Uh, I don't need a pretty bush. I don't need a well-educated bush. I don't need a well-connected bush. As long as God is in the bush, I can use you. And that was a profound lesson, you know. I, I had been blessed. My dad was well off and sent me to British boarding schools where presumably I learned English. And, you know, so I was well-connected, well-educated. But instead of depending on those things, I learned from that man you depend on the power of the resurrected indwelling Lord Jesus Christ. You depend on the blessed Holy Spirit whose temple you are. And to me, it revolutionized my life, Todd. The same messages suddenly brought great results and great fruit and great joy. And then my team members, you know, uh, the team members are vital. Uh, an evangelist without a team is practically not very useful in a big city. And so when you talked about your wife working, volunteering in, in Washington, D.C., those are the servants of God that nobody sees. They're never publicized in the Washington Post. They don't get on NBC or TBN, but nevertheless, uh, they are servants of God. So some of the lessons in leadership is the body of Christ, for all its weaknesses, has great strengths. And the strength is the presence of the Holy Spirit. I learned that, and that revolutionized my life at, at age 25, when I understood it's not I, but Christ living in me. And then as I told you, and I'm not joking, my wife is a big influence on my life. She's not a public speaker, though she's spoken a lot in the past to women and young people and so on. But she's intelligent, she's spiritual, she's prayerful, She's just a normal person, but with strong convictions. And she corrects me when she feels <laughs> I need correction, which is quite often. And uh, I have to take it from her, and I'm glad that I do. And, you know, she, she's she been a great help to, uh, to us and to me. So those are the things that I wanted to glorify God by exciting God's people who are unknown to, to really be who they are. And in eternity, when we stand by the judgment seat of Christ, they will realize, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that I blessed this guy. And look, the Lord has used them to lead so many people to Christ. So be faithful in little, and you'll be faithful also in much. Those are some of the things that I wanted to put out in that book, Todd. Very good. So uh, what is the main point of emphasis with your with your team right now. You mentioned your team uh, as well. I know yes. your family is extremely connected. Your sons, um, Kevin, Andrew, Stephen, and one more, Keith. Keith. Yes. Keith. Yep. Uh, I know they're yep. all really connected with the ministry and you've got to see them, uh, them grow. But what's your, what's your main point of emphasis with that overall team right now? Well, you know, it's a good one. I, I feel first uh, vision. I feel my duty in these last few months or years that the Lord may be giving me is to keep the vision alive, go into all the world. You know, Carl um, uh, Henry, the old theologian, uh, used to say, he called it the, the scandal of the unfulfilled commission. You know, after 2,000 years, there are still tribal groups and language groups that haven't even heard the name of Jesus. Keep the vision alive. 
Also, there, Kevin is the leader now of the Palau Association, and he's really uh, empowering, we figure, ten to 12,000 evangelists preaching mass evangelists all over the world, Africa, Asia, Latin America, Europe, North America. And uh, those are the visions that the Lord has given. Then secondly, major on the majors. Don't be distracted by the world's agenda. We stay on God's agenda. To me, that's what Christian leadership is about. It's so easy to be drawn by the headlines, so easy to fall into the trap. The world wants me to talk about this and that, only that. No, we are here to follow God's agenda. God's agenda is the Great Commission, discipleship, spirit-filled living, the joy of holiness, you know, fruitfulness in your personal life, both in character and in people led to Christ. Then thirdly, my beauty, I feel uh, as a leader, if you want to call me that, is stay close to Scripture. Do not deviate from Holy Scripture. Don't allow anyone or anything to distract you with secondary discussions and, and uh, you know, just divert it. And then uh, the next thing I try to teach my sons, and they're mature men, they're not boys, uh, is uh, be serious, focus on staff development, and on retention of quality servants of God. We used to call it the missionary spirit, you know. People, you like people on your team who do it for the kingdom. If they're compensated, they're very happy. If they're undercompensated, they keep doing it anyway because they do it for the Lord, not for for material reasons. But I think that we leaders need to, the Bible says, the laborer is worthy of his hire, old King James. And I think we need, so those are some of the points that I emphasize. Vision, major on the majors, stay close to scripture, focus on God's agenda, not the agenda of the world, and really develop the team to be a godly group of men and women to, to really fulfill the Great Commission if possible. So good. All right, let's move to uh, our third question, and I'm going to put a caveat on you, if that's all right. And that is, uh, okay. uh, if what are one or two things that you uh, need to do every day other than spiritual disciplines? Oh, okay. Now, yeah, you, yes, you diverted <laughs> my attention. <laughs> okay. Uh uh, the spiritual disciplines you mean, like time with God, yes. prayer. Well, worship, you can go there. Com- Actually, confession. you know what? I, I'm totally fine. You can answer this question however you want. <laughs> okay, thanks. No, uh, besides time with God was my first point. That's so obvious, obviously, to your listeners too. But, you know, uh, one big one to me right now is stay out of the way of the new generation. I'll be honest with you, Todd. Sometimes I think, why did the Lord? I mean, I've been training Kevin and Andrew especially, but the other team members, you know, vice presidents and fantastic men and women, we've had them for 30, 40. Some have been with me 50 years, you know, but stay out of the way of the new generation. And sometimes I wonder if the Lord didn't send me my lung cancer to force me to get out of the way. Because, you know, we we, we were planning transition for the last 20 years. And about three years ago, we said, okay, now transition, transition. And then suddenly... Here I have lung cancer. I had not been in a hospital in my life, never one night. I hardly even took aspirins. And suddenly I've got uh, incurable lung cancer. And I thought maybe the Lord is forcing me to stay out of the way and let the younger generation take over. 
and it's happening. It's very, very so. That's one thing that's occupied. Uh, the other thing that I'm doing these last few years uh, is to stay closer than ever to my wife and to my family and also to the team members. You know, you run, run, run like crazy. You go around the world. You're on airplanes. You're from here to there, conferences, all sorts of wonderful stuff. And then suddenly you say, wow, what an opportunity the Lord has given me to spend more time with our, my wife, to review our life. Uh, what things did we do right? What things do we want to warn the boys and the team members don't make the same mistake? I keep telling them, spend more time with your wife. Go where she wants to go if you can afford it, uh, you know, and make an effort to afford it, you know. Uh, and then also, I've been, uh, think, keep your joy and your sense of humor, you know, in the midst of the troubles of life, with the Lord inside you as, a, as a, you're his temple. The joy of the Lord can be also fun. This Ray Steadman, the pastor, was a serious leader. He wrote a book called Body Life that was a bestseller in his day. But he also enjoyed life, and he was humorous, and he played terrible golf, but he enjoyed it. <laughs> he couldn't fish a fish for anything, but he always talked about fishing, you know. And men love to be around him, and I think we need to emphasize that. Enjoy life. Don't just be grimly committed. We should be, but also be grimly committed with a joyful and a happy and even humorous times, uh, life was meant to be enjoyed, even in the midst of all this stuff. So, so those are some of the things that I must do and try to do uh, in, in my life day by day. And these last two years since the cancer situation, we don't know how long the Lord's going to keep me here. If I didn't know I have cancer, I wouldn't even know it right now. I'm feeling so well by God's grace. So those are some of the things, Todd, and there may be more you can ask me. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, always struck me about you is in in DC culture. So it's a very distinct culture, very serious culture. Um, people, you know, are still to this day. Uh, you'll see, you know, more suits I think than you will in any other city, almost. <laughs> but I mean, very serious culture, very punctual. Uh, you know, the cardinal sin there is not wasting my time. Uh, yes. But what I watched you come in and consistently do, because again, I mean, you know, my wife was at almost every meeting. And so I would end up yeah. being there. We didn't have children yet at the time. Uh, and, and so, you know, I was helping however I could. And I would show up and, and uh, watch you talk to pastors or uh, government leaders or whatever. And your emphasis on humor and not taking yourself too seriously yeah. um, was always extreme, like uh, from a, a charismatic charisma perspective, you know, there's a lot of people in DC uh, that are known for charisma and, you know, you have Billy Graham and Bill Clinton endorsing your book and George Bush and, yeah. and all these, all these people yeah. that, you know, people would definitely know. Um, and people that most people would consider a charismatic person, but you always had a command. And I do want you to talk about uh, humor and not taking yourself too seriously for a few moments, because that was one of the yeah. things that I thought was really uh, distinct um, from being around you. I'm, I'm glad you picked it up. I, I consciously felt, you know, just because people applaud you and they want your picture and you sign the book or their Bible, 
you're suddenly not a Hollywood hero. You're not a basketball star. You're just a servant of Jesus Christ. You're a slave of Jesus. That's what Paul often said. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ is the real translation. You know, and yes, uh, D.C., there's a pompousness over there. But you don't do it by attacking, but by being normal. And I felt I made a lot of friends with senators and congressmen that we don't talk about it. I never wanted to talk about it to impress people. Oh, I've been with all these hot people. You know, you they're normal guys who have a wife and children. They miss them sometimes. Sometimes they want to miss them. And, you know, and they they need the encouragement to just be yourself. If the hand of God is on you, well, that's what counts, the power of God. And uh, you, you, you have to see yourself as one of seven and a half billion people, and you're serving the Lord, you're doing His will, you're blessing people. I like to listen to people, and they will open up quickly, you know? Uh, influential people, successful people, love to talk about what they've done or what they think they've done. And it's interesting to ask them, what brought you here? Why are you here? And you learn and you learn a lot yourself. And then it opens the door to tell them about the Lord, you know. You'd be amazed if someday we could talk in private. Uh, some very well-known politicians, when you're alone with them, man, they open up and they want to talk about spiritual issues. They see their own weaknesses, their own incapabilities, you know. They dislike their temper, many of them. They, they have a short fuse and and so on. But so I think when you keep your joy is perspective. Who is my Lord? Jesus Christ. Who compensates me? Jesus Christ. I taught our boys, you know, you serve the Lord Christ. Colossians, I think is 3.15 or something. Uh, you know, you serve the Lord Christ. We're not serving men. And when you walk in there, Billy Graham taught us total humility, but total authority. The humility is because I'm just another slave of Jesus. The authority is the revealed word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. With humility, it carries an atomic bomb explosion. So those are some of the thoughts that cross my mind, Todd, as you asked me about it. Oh, all right. So uh, tell me, we'll go into our next question now. What does leadership in your home look like? You've already talked a lot about uh, your wife, but... <laughs> but talk about what that yeah. has looked like really uh, over over the years, you know, when you yeah. uh, had children and when those children moved out of the home or as different transitions happened in ministry, um, what yeah. are some of those things and, and how did they look at different phases of ministry? Wow, that's one of the most delicate questions on your list. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it puts me on the spot in today's world, but... I don't mind uh, being outspoken a little bit. My dad died, as I told you, when I was 10 years old, and the story is in the book and in the movie. And uh, But, you know, so I did not have a father figure since age 10, you know what I mean? And so I get to be a teenager, and I thought, okay, first, how do you find a wife? How do you find out if she's for you? I was committed to the Lord, but I thought, how do you pick a wife? You know, who tells you? Who gives you advice? Uh, who do you go to? And, and it was hard to come up with anybody. And so I began to read the Bible. My father, when I was six years old, I walked in on him and he was on his knees reading the Bible. It's a longish story. But in essence, he said to me, Luis, I'm reading the book of Proverbs. And I was probably six or seven and I never forgot it. He said, it's 31 chapters, one for every day of the month. You read this book when you grow up 
and you'll be a successful man. He said to me, and I was a little kid, six or seven, because I wasn't in boarding school. I went to boarding school when I was eight years old, so I was a little kid. And I, at, at age 16, after he died, I began to think, how do I find a wife? What about sex? What about temptation? What about money? What about marriage? What about children? You know, the whole thing. And I remember my dad saying, read the book of Proverbs. I tell you, it, 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 it shakes me up so I can hardly talk when I think about it because the book of Proverbs shows you how to have success this side of heaven and in heaven. And the New Testament tells you how to have life in heaven as well as on planet Earth, you know. But it, the book of Proverbs taught me uh, uh, what what it is to be a husband. Uh, and also not just Proverbs, but also uh, Ephesians. You know, you are supposed to be like Christ, you know. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wow, how do you do that? You've got to sacrifice you give your life for your wife. You want her to be without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish. I thought, I got to have money so she can go to a a, a beauty salon. <laughs> the Lord doesn't want her with, she doesn't want her with all these ugly stuff on her face. So I got to do this. I took it seriously, you know. And uh, and then it, it tells you about sex and temptation and all those things. So I learned what I do think I know about family, 58 years uh, of marriage, and it's been pretty good, I must admit. Uh, but uh, I said, I got to be like Jesus Christ. I got to love her and sacrifice for her, provide and do whatever. Then together, because she's highly intelligent, I'll say that, even if she's not listening, it's still true, you know. She brought up the boys. She and I would talk about it incessantly because, you know, there used to be that kids from preachers' homes and missionary homes and evangelists often became rebellious. And boy, we trembled at that. We don't want our kids to be rebellious, you know? And uh, so we, we talked about it endlessly. And I was on the road. You know, the 58 years that we've been married, we figured some time ago we'd been separated 17 years, she says, I say 15, that I was on the road while the boys were growing up. And she brought them up so well. I figured my my position is I've got to be a good example so that my wife can refer to me. What a wonderful man I am, <laughs> you know. And, and so the boys would say, "Okay, mom thinks dad is okay," you know. And and the four boys have turned out to be men who are walk with God, are serious with the Lord. One of them, however, Andrew, who's now an evangelist, a very fruitful, uh, he. He wasn't converted till he was 27, and he gave us H-E-L-L in abundance, you know. <laughs> uh, he, he really did. He wrote a book that is called uh, The Secret Life of a Fool, and he's the fool, not me. And uh, he, he then was converted radically, and you should see him now. It, you know, it's... Todd, you feel sort of embarrassed to say, my sons are men of God. You say, oh, come on. But they are men of God, you know. They read the Bible. They walk with God. They love the church. It's And, and I, I owe most of it to my wife because she's the one who taught them and led them and exhorted. In our family, even when Andrew was in the world and unconverted, Sunday morning, even if he came in at four in the morning, you're going to church. <laughs> and nobody ever questioned it. But my wife said, you're going to church and you're going to church, you know. And they did. And, and now you see the fruit of it. You know, the boys are fruitful, serving God, uh, inspiring the church, bringing unity around the world. 
uh, uh, training evangelists, you know, to have the big vision, to not give up. I mean, these are exciting times. So that was it. My wife really did so much on that. But we talked about it this morning. I said, I think Todd's going to ask me about, you know, leadership. (laughs) And uh, so we talk incessantly, the two of us. We argue intensely, I must admit to you. Uh, but the synthesis finally turns out to be pretty good, you know. We go back and forth. We, we're quite relentless. She comes from a stubborn little family uh, by the name of Schofield, which reminds you of the Schofield Bible. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So there you go. I, and they did. They were connected by, by, by birth or something or other. But the synthesis of her views and my views, we go around and around, has made us both, I think, sharper and useful. And so in the home, we work together. We're a team, you know, and uh, my my duty as a man is to sacrificially serve her. Uh, and, and she does her duty fantastically well. So we see it as a team and uh, everybody plays their role in the team and that's where winning comes, you know. So that's the way I look at it. I don't know if that answers your question, Todd. It does and it does so well. You know, just uh, I have, uh, you know, I, I've met your son, know your son, heard him give his testimony uh, numerous times and, and know that backstory really well. But what I want uh, our listeners to hear, and they, they've already heard it, is just the the genuine and very candid way uh, that you answered that question uh, is a blessing to me and a, a blessing to those listening because there are <laughs> a lot of us who uh, are pastors or at least church leaders listening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th- that's at least – that's part of my story too. I mean, I was a, a pastor's kid and I was that poster child, yeah. uh, rebellious pastor's kid for a while too. Not quite as long <laughs> as Andrew or to the depth of which, uh, <laughs> is a very powerful testimony, but, um, but just want to thank you so much for sharing that, um, for sharing that with us and, and being that junior, yeah. because there's a lot of people that are, you know, going through that right now. There's leaders that are going through that right now. And yeah, um, yeah. and to be able to see the other side. So I would encourage them to uh, look for Andrew's story as well. Yeah. Hey, you know, I wanted to say this to you. It just crossed my mind, if you don't mind. There are two people that will tell you the truth as a pastor or as a leader. Your wife, if you listen to her, and people who leave the church. <laughs> I often say to pastors, when a person leaves the church angry, listen carefully because they probably tell you stuff they wanted to say for 20 years but didn't have the guts. And finally they decide, I'm leaving church, I'm going to let him have it. And the reaction tends to be, get out of my face. But the fact is often they tell you the truth and it's worth listening, you know. Uh, your wife listen to her all the time. Even when she's wrong, listen. But with uh, people who leave the church for pastors, uh, it's amazing how many truths they will spit out for you, if I may use that word. Uh, you know, in a moment of anger, they'll tell you stuff they should have told you nicely over coffee, you know. So I, 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 that's an important point to my mind, uh, Todd. You know, your wife will tell you the truth. And when they don't, I often say, wives, where were you when your husband made that stupid statement? Mm. You know, uh, she's the one who has a right to tell you off. You can't kick her out. So you've got to listen to her. So good. You've probably heard about the movie Overcomer, but you may not know that there are a few books and Bible studies inspired by the film. 
One is called Define by Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick, which is a book and Bible study based on insights from the book of Ephesians. You can find these books and Bible studies at lifeway.com slash overcomer. All right. Well, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about leadership and preparing to lead? If you could go back wow. and, and, and talk to yourself, what, what advice would you give? <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. You know, uh, I got to thinking, you know, uh, I would say watch successful, spiritually successful people and leadership successful people. Watch for winners, not for losers. You know, uh, people said to me when I was younger, why do you copy Billy Graham? It's because I, I want to copy a winner. I'm not interested in copying losers, you know. Uh, I want to know somebody that's successful with God, who lives a godly life, who has brought no dishonor to Jesus Christ. Uh, I, that's the one I want to copy. I don't want to go and say, hey, you've been divorced three times. Tell me how to have a successful home. Or you've been bankrupt three times on Wall Street. How do you, how do you invest successfully? You know, I mean, my father-in-law was probably one of the most boring men on the planet Earth. But he had a successful marriage. His wife was paralyzed. Uh, from about age 40 till she died at age 90. And he treated her with respect, with love, never complained, you know. Those are the kind of guys mm. that you say, I'm going to learn from a successful husband, not some deadbeat who likes to pass off as a famous, you know, cool, suntanned, you know, snazzy, <laughs> latest clothing. I want a guy whose wife loves him, his kids revere him. You know, that's what really counts. So I think that's one thing I would have said to myself when I was 20. And I basically did that. I don't know where I got it from. I revere people who've gone ahead and who show signs of godly success, not just secular, but spiritual. And then uh, the other, get, get wisdom, wisdom. I I think in, in Proverbs chapter 3, which my dad emphasized a lot, the second two-thirds of that chapter is all about wisdom. The first 12 verses is all about honor the Lord, give of your tithe, um, you know, all trust in the Lord, not in yourself. Don't be resentful of his discipline, which is helping me now with my lung cancer. Don't be resentful of the Lord. But then the two-thirds of the rest of the chapter we often ignore, and it's all about wisdom, 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 wisdom. I think a lot of my best buddies who have messed up, no, I don't mean immorally or anything, but just haven't made it, is for lack of wisdom, you know, talking out of turn, uh, jumping the gun, using terms that are unwise, or, you know, so uh, I, I, I think those are some of the thoughts that get me. But uh, and the other thing I would say is, you can never spend too much time in the Word of God. I tell you, no, you don't go crazy reading the Bible. You go crazy reading too many other books. The Bible is so glorious and so diverse and so enriching and so exhorting and encouraging. And it's just it's the Word of God, you know. So that's what I would say to myself if I was 20 years old again. And uh, uh, those are some of the thoughts. I don't know that I have much else to add to that. That's Again, uh, I just, there's so many things I would love to have a part one and part two of this because, you know, just, just hearing you talk about the reverence that you 
uh, have for your father-in-law is, is absolutely amazing. I have a, a great father, uh, but also have yeah. a, a father-in-law who's a, a good and godly man. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe it would be, a, maybe it would be better if he wasn't so, so perfect. Um, <laughs> but I'm super, yeah. super grateful, uh, for, for my wife's parents and, and just the legacy that they've, uh, led as well. Yeah. The, you, you, yeah. go ahead. No, you go, you go. <laughs> um, is there any, is there any additional word you would give about, um, the importance of, of family and legacy when it comes to faith? Well, good, yeah. I do believe that it's beautiful to see family. It doesn't mean that it has to be. But in the Bible, you notice how God talks about the blessing of God on the home of the righteous and so on. And uh, uh, although each one has to make his own decision and you can't blame the parents for the rebellion of the kids, that's their choice. It's strictly biblical that. Nevertheless, what a blessing it is to work together and serve the Lord together. Uh, one of the, the, the interesting things about the Chinese families and other Asians is how they like to work in family. I remember once we were going to have a campaign somewhere in Chinese territory, and uh, I had a possibility of an Australian team member to come and do it, an Englishman, very gifted, some Americans. And I said, and also my son, Kevin, instantly he said, your son, your son. They, they, they love family, and I think we need to think in terms of, no, we don't always work together as a family. Every family is different, but when you can work together, it's a glorious experience, you know, but you've got to be wise in incorporating non-family members in a ministry. You've got to be very careful that you unconsciously become so family that you don't give an open door and, 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 and possibilities of growth and development in others who are not family, you know, in the, in the, in the bi biological sense. But another thought I wanted to throw in that came from Billy Graham and some of his senior godly partners. One of them was this. Uh, I remember talking about the body of Christ. And they used a phrase that they used to use quite a lot. T.W. Wilson used to use it. It was, we are broad in our relationships, but narrow in our message. Broad in our relationships, narrow in our message. In other words, the message never changes. It's the same good old thing. C.S. Lewis used to call it the same old thing. You know, it's the gospel. It never changes. But the relationship, you can be broad, but the message never changes. I think that's an important thing in Christian leadership in particular. Be broad. Don't be afraid of people. Uh, you know the Lord. You're secure in Him. You walk with Him. Don't worry about it. But uh, you're not going to compromise. But you do with humility, broaden your relationships, narrow in your message. The message does not change. And I thought I'd throw that in because I do believe in today's world we need that. You know, um, some people get upset when you say, I'm a friend of so-and-so, and the character is not a very noble character. Well, I'm his friend not because I'm copying him, but because I want to lead him to the Lord. You know, we are friends uh, in the sense of relating to people to lead them to the better things that God offers. Anyway, I don't want to preach a sermon on it, but, but I wanted to put that one in for some reason. That's so good. Well, uh, I just want to encourage our listeners um, to find out more uh, about Luis. You can 
Man, the biggest thing would be to go ahead and pick up this book, uh, A Life on Fire. It's it's the memoir of his life and his ministry. Um, but you can always go and, and find out more at palau.org. That's P-A-L-A-U.org. You can find out uh, about Luis, but also about their evangelistic association, where they're going to be, what they do. Uh, and you, you probably... You know, they're, they're doing things in cities worldwide, and you're not going to hear it on the news. You're probably not even going to see it on social media, um, but just understand that that is active. The other big piece, I think, of this is, you know, you kept uh, referring back to Proverbs 3 again and again, uh, and Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. That yep. is that that the parting message that you want to give the average everyday ordinary person listening to this, this podcast now, um, yes. is that the message you want to leave? I would love to leave that message. Yes. Yes. It's the wisest, wise thing you can do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. And he does. And I can tell you, I'm 85 this November. And I look back on all those years and I'll tell you, Todd, it is the worthiest thing you can do. Life is glorious with Jesus Christ. And the more you stick close to him, the more glorious it becomes. It was the way it was meant to be. And it's not that complicated. Here I go again now. <laughs> you know, you got me rolling on it. But it's the truth. If I could persuade, the other day there was a rally in Portland and the leader had me come up and said, what would you say to these teenagers who are listening to you now that you're coming to the end of your life? I said, Pardon me for using a phrase my wife said we should never. Don't be stupid. Follow the Lord closely. Listen to him and you'll end up your life and have minimum regrets. And that's really how you want to finish. With minimum regrets, there will be regrets, but minimize them by sticking close to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the body of Jesus Christ. Well, I just want to thank you again uh, for the ministry that you've had, the impact that it's had on me and and a lot of people I know, and um, just grateful to you. Uh, I will continue to uh, pray for you and your health. Um, I yes. know that uh, that that prognosis has been out for a while, and at least yep. when I first heard it, it it uh, it broke my heart because I know. <clears throat> sorry. Because I know the the uh, the uh, the life that you've led and the message that that you've carried, and uh, would would love to see you carry that for years to come. So I'm just Thank grateful you, that the Thank Lord you. has has already extended your days, and pray that he'll he'll continue to do so. Yeah, yeah. Give my love to your wife, huh? Will do. Yeah, yeah. And keep be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. That's what the Lord said. And he will fulfill it. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, And thank you guys for listening. Yeah. God bless you, Todd.